Where can New York Giants offensive tackle Evan Neal get better in his game in year two? We went to Willie Anderson, former NFL offensive lineman, who has worked with Evan Neal as a trainer, to find out. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana. Happy to have you with us to start the new week. And my special guest today is former NFL offensive lineman Willie Anderson. He's also a trainer now, an offensive line trainer. And uh, just a little bit about Willie. First round draft pick number 10 overall by the Cincinnati Bengals back in 1997. Um, played through the 2008 season. I think one season with Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken, but mostly with the, the Bengals. Five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Um, and he allowed, I think, less, less than 20 sacks over the course of his career. So the man knows a thing or two about playing offensive tackle. And he's also uh, runs several training academies. He has the Willie Anderson Lineman Academy. And he's been training Giants offensive lineman Evan Neal. So who better to talk about playing offensive tackle in the NFL than Willie Anderson? Willie, thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. So let's get into this right away. Um, Can we start off by talking about the biggest transition for a young offensive lineman from college to NFL, including someone who comes from a, you know, a sophisticated system like, you know, in Alabama, Clemson, the SEC, you know, those schools are really, you know, they're sophisticated in their coaching, but there's still a transition. Can you talk about what the biggest transition is and how coaches just generally approach that with young offensive linemen? Well, two things. Um, it's a good question. Two things. Um, um, one, I think for the kids who come from the bigger dominant programs, you're used to having dominant players all around you. And when you're a team like Alabama or Georgia or Clemson, these powerhouse teams, Ohio State, these powerhouse schools, you, you have so much talent around you that um, your team is probably better than 90% of the teams you're going to play because you have more and more guys like yourself around you. Um, you take some smaller schools, they may have one or two pros where – these schools might have 10, 15 pros. So um, first, a program like that, those programs are dedicated to winning football games. They're not dedicated to developing talent for the NFL. So when a guy plays in a college offense as an offensive lineman, similar to a quarterback, he may be asked to do some things in pro football that he wasn't asked in college just because of the nature of the offense um, is not needed. Um, the quarterback may be a dominant quarterback and the, the, guy, the, guy, the guy may not hold a, hold a ball for two or three seconds or the RPO games. So the college game is a lot less technical for young offensive linemen. It's kind of similar, like I said, similar to like quarterbacks coming to the league. I remember years ago before the spread offense took over, remember they didn't want, they didn't want quarterbacks who couldn't play on the center. Remember that? Like it was a whole big thing. If a guy was in a shotgun, that would never work in the NFL. Well, the NFL changed. When Tom Brady stayed in the shotgun, starting the 07, 08 season, he stayed in, you know, 80% of the game. So that, that changed for the quarterbacks. The offensive linemen hadn't changed yet. They're still being asked to do techniques that were, they were around when I was playing football. 
You know what I mean? Um, I came to the league in 96 and the league was a running football league then. And we transitioned around 2000s, early 2000s into a passing league. You know, I, I say all the time when the Bengals made Carson Palmer, our quarterback, one of the highest paid QBs, our focus went from being a dominant run game to protect Carson at all costs. <laughs> and uh, and that's, that's what the NFL did right now. The NFL is now is about that quarterback protect him or go kill him. So um, with linemen coming out of college, they're just asked to do things they weren't done, weren't asked to do in college. And some guys come in and you see guys get moved to guard. You see guys get moved from left tackle to right tackle. All that stuff plays a, a factor in a young lineman's development because he was so used to doing things a certain way in college where the NFL level with the techniques and mainly important, the guys they're facing are totally different monster than what they were in, even in the SEC, <laughs> you know, so. Is, is one of the things, you know, you mentioned the techniques and whatnot. How much is outside contained taught to offensive tackles in college as opposed to, I think, what it's taught in the NFL? So when you say contained, like uh, d- d- the defensive lineman in um, the NFL, I was telling some guys the other day, like in college, defensive linemen are taught keep contained, you know, keep contained, D-linemen. So as an offensive lineman um, in college, I can pretty much, I pretty much know this defensive end probably is not going to go inside on me unless it's going to be some kind of twist game, an ET twist, a stunt game. Because I, I know in college, the college coaches are so, so to the point of never lose contain, never lose contain. When the NFL, there's no such thing as contained. Like rushes, they would go anywhere. They go inside, outside, anywhere to kill that quarterback. And it's less organized than because your best pass rushes sometimes or your, or your outside guys. And the coaches, a lot of those guys just rush. However you want to rush, rush. Whereas in college, a young tackle, I may know, like, know what? I know for a fact that defensive end is not going to go inside of me because he has to keep the team. If he does come inside of me, it's going to be someone coming on a, on a loop game to replace him. But in the NFL, you know, the Von Millers, the Watts, them guys, they rush how they want to rush. And there's no such thing as contained. So as a young tackle in the NFL, you know, that's a, that, that's to leave your mind because you think, well, in college, he has contained. There's no contained. It's the, the, the whole job is to go kill the quarterback, see the quarterback, go get him, go kill him. They've been, it's been said, um, one of the, the things that a lot of young players say in general about the NFL game is the speed is so much quicker. And, um, you know, just from your perspective, I mean, for an offensive lineman, you know, you have like, I, I guess, split second to set up for your pass pro. You have, you know, you've got to explode into your block. I mean, mm-hmm. how can a player, you know, improve their quickness off the snap and, and set up as quickly? I mean, is that just muscle memory or is there a technique that has to be adjusted? Yeah, you actually, you actually can train for it. Like, we do it at my academy for a lot of the high school kids. Um, um, a lot of high school offensive linemen these days are not playing two sports like they were back in the day. So uh, I think guys have to train to be athletic. That's one of the things we do here at my academy. We, we train big guys to be able to move and be athletic and understand their body and their balance and their core strength, all that good stuff. But I think offensive linemen is, to me, is the toughest, hardest skill to teach and learn in all of football. Maybe hitting the baseball may be harder. And I mean, I understand quarterbacking. Um, the job is tougher. I understand that mentally. But when little kids go outside with their mom and dads, no one's going outside to go play blocking. <laughs> They're going outside to go throw, play, play catch, 
uh, rush the quarterback, throw the ball, all is good there. No one goes outside to play blocking. So at every level, it's a hard skill to teach. And so um, I think the biggest detriment to the position is guys not doing the outside skill development the way every other position is doing. Like D-linemen have their own personal D-line coaches. Your, your quarterbacks, we've seen with Russell Wilson last year, his quarterback personal coach was at the facility with them. So I think the lineman position, because the defensive linemen are getting so much more skilled and way more faster and athletic, these guys need year-round training, year-round development, because once the season starts, every NFL player will tell you this, there's very little time dedicated to, to learning techniques because the game plan and putting in plays and going over plays and making sure we understand blocking assignments, blitz pickups, that's more important for coaching. So when people say, well, why don't you coach, Willie? I say because coaching is not what you guys think it is. Coaching is putting in plays, drawing up plays, running off sheets, making sure guys understand it's more of a teaching the classroom setting. But the skill development, what you're talking about right now, that's something totally different. I think, you know, sometimes guys need a different coach on the staff to be able to teach that skill because how many times you see in a game, your backup tackle coming in the game, a backup guard coming in the game, and the play drops off tremendously <laughs> because those guys are not getting any reps during the week. There's only two offensive line coaches. The second offensive line coach is running around like a chicken with his head cut off, making sure the guys got plays, running out cars, putting up blitz pickups. So this backup lineman, he's, he's getting very few snaps at uh, development. So back to your point is, I think guys should train and be developed for that. Uh, I think I think one of the biggest things we don't do as linemen is push the outside training and development onto these guys because the guys we're facing are getting better and better. And, you know, these guys are, you know, you watch the combine. These, these linemen are getting faster and faster every year. Hey, Giant fans, New York Giants general manager Joe Shane has some really difficult decisions to make over the next few weeks regarding the draft, regarding the back end of free agency, how to build the roster into a dynasty. And speaking of building a dynasty, if you think you have what it takes to give the NFL GMs a run for their money, then you got to try Ultimate Football GM. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control every aspect of your team as you play through the seasons and lead your team to glory to try to build a historic dynasty. The game is so much fun. And best of all, you can play it offline and compete with your friends for bragging rights. And then I mentioned that Ultimate Football GM is completely free to play and that Locked On Giants listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps in the game store. So what are you waiting for? If you think you have what it takes to be a GM, and build a dynasty, Ultimate Football GM is the game you want to be playing. Find it in the app stores or visit ultimate-gm.com. And don't forget that promo code, which is in all caps. That promo code is locked on for your free boost. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. When you have a big, tall offensive tackle like an Evan Neal, pad level often comes into discussion. And obviously you want the pad level low, but you also don't want him bending at the waist, if I'm not mistaken. So how do you kind of find a happy medium? I mean, you you don't want him also sitting too far back to where he could be knocked over easily. So, I mean, how do you kind of address that? How do you train him to say, you know, get his pad level at an acceptable level or can you do that? Yeah. Well, good thing with Evan, he has has a really good offensive line coach up there at the Giants. Um, and he and I talk 
And um, I think with Evan, when you have a guy who's six foot eight, I was still a coach's distance. And as a player, I'm, I was six foot five and a half myself. And I remember in college, we had the things called the shoots, the linemen go up under the shoots. And the shoots are not made for guys six, three and over. Just not. Like they're made for shorter guys. But coaches put everybody in the shoots the same height. And you're telling me at six foot six that my low is going to be as low as my center who's six foot two. It's not the case. Like, like build the shoots a little bit higher because my because my low is not his low. So with guys like um, Evan, these taller guys, you watch. Um, I was talking to, talking about John DeOgden. John DeOgden was six foot nine, three forty, um, ballet feet guy. And uh, it's, to me, it's not about getting your pass low. It's about getting your center of gravity low. Playing lower with your hands. If, if you just just doing things like lowering your hands on your pass block on your run blocker, it's, it, it 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 naturally drops your body down to a more powerful position. So if guys are are punchered, their body's going to be high. If guys are underhand neat, when you, when, you, when your hands go underneath what we call a double under, it automatically drops your butt down. So um, I think this guys learn how to play with balance and um, engaging their core and using different techniques. I think will help guys with, um, I think their um, their pad level because getting low is not the word we, we we love to say to get loaded instead of low because if you load your body up you're loading for power, but when you tell somebody who's six eight to get low, to me that means duck down <laughs> and that's not football. It's not football and it's not athletic position. So so if I understand you correctly, like when you go to hit somebody rather than hit them like this, you're gonna punch with your fists because you're going to get more power if you get low. No, so, so, so like, so for pass blocking, so the, in, in, in pass blocking, there, there's two ways pretty much to block, you know, the traditional, what we, we learned when I was in high school in the eighties and college in the nineties and my early mid nineties NFL, we, we did a two hand punch, you know, two hand punch guys. Well, I'm not a big, I'm not a big two hand punch guy because as I got older in the NFL, the rushers, they changed, they changed from, the Reggie Whites and the, and the big, powerful Michael Strahan type rushers to the uh, the, the White Freenies and Robert Mathis type guys, the, your, your Julius Peppers, your six foot seven guys with 290 with basketball ability. And so when you're two hand punching a lot, those guys have more athletic moves. You see guys miss a lot. So I'm more of an independent hand guy. But what I was saying earlier about the and run blocking, uh, getting your pad level down low, to me, it's more how your hands are set. So if you get your hands lower on a guy in run blocking, I think it lowers your center of gravity down. Now, pass blocking is something totally different. Like I say, I'm, I'm a big independent hand guy. Um, a lot of coaches are traditional two-hand punchers. Good thing um, Bobby at, um, at the Giants O-line coach, he's, he's real big on, uh, on having guys change their hands up, which, which, which you're watching uh, several of his guys do. So I think everything's good company with that. Um, it's just me adding on things to um, help him, I think, individualize and add more tools to his toolbox. I believe you made a, you, you wrote or, or said at one point that long guys have an advantage due to their feet. Is that correct? Long guys? Long, long guys, tall guys. Yeah, yeah. Have an I, I think they, they, have, they can use their feet to an advantage. Their, their advantage to me is their arm length. Okay. And I mean, especially a tackle, like, you know. And people think it's because you can guide a guy around longer. But I think the longer your arms are, the more patient you can be with your hands. If you watch a defensive lineman, 
watch defensive linemen when they train. When you see D linemen training on the bags or they're training with the coach with the uh, arm pad of his hands, the first thing the coach do is throwing his hands out there, throwing his hands. And the D linemen, they all react to the coach's hands or they're hitting the dummy, the dummy with two hands out like this, and they chop the dummy hands out. Well, if you have long arms, you have the ability to wait and be patient before you show your hands. And D linemen, when they rush the quarterback, they want to find your hands immediately. So for the guys who have their hands already stuck out, I call that being a dummy because the dummy, they practice on, has his hands sticking out too, like, like this too. So when you're a long-arm guy, I was just explaining to Evan, Evan last week, you know, you have time to have your hands coiled back. Like I tell young kids, like the um, like watching the, the, the cobra fight the mongoose. And the cobra all in the front of the snake, all you see is this part right here doing this right here. But behind it, he has so much other stuff coiled up, power, ready to attack, but you can't see it. So it's kind of the same way with linemen with long arms. You have When you have long arms, you have the ability to be patient with your hands and wait to the last second to throw your hands to confuse the linemen. A lot, a lot of times, linemen are being taught to be the first one to put hands on a guy in pass rush. And to me, that's wrong. Because if you talk to any D lineman, they love any, – any great D lineman, they love when you touch them first. And my motto is don't touch them until they touch you. Right. So you don't want to be catching them when, when, when yes. they're when, when they're charging at you. But just going back to the feet issue, because, you know, we hear a lot about offensive linemen and the importance of footwork and whatnot. I mean, ideally, what what is a good offensive tackle – need to have as far as his footwork goes? Is it short, choppy steps? Is it longer strides? Uh, Definitely not choppy steps. Um, uh, One of the biggest things you see college linemen come out of college football is, and, you know, I understand why they're doing it, but this one thing that doesn't uh, uh, convert to the NFL. You see college guys, they all stump their feet. They pound, 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 pound. And that's not football. You can't block Aaron Donald pounding your feet. I mean, you can't block the Watt brothers pounding your feet. You just can't. Like, there's a gliding of the feet, a schooling, a schooling of the feet that linemen must be able to do. And the, the best guys are the guys who can redirect their body, can do a kick set to an inside post, to a back, to a kick set again. Like, those are uh, the what I call feet combinations that a lot of linemen struggle with because if you're being taught to be a pounder, you can't be a glider. And Watch the best, the best linemen, especially tackles. Those guys, they glide out of their stands. They react to a movement with their feet, and I got, I call it, I call it putting your brain inside of your feet, and and and, and make your feet, make, let, let, allow your feet to be your guide instead of reacting with your hands. Because, like I say, you watch, you watch the Trent Williams and all these guys, uh, Lane Johnson, these top guys, they they all react to plays with their feet, and you see young guys who struggle, they react with their hands. So being a lineman who you're training, you're, you're training the feet combinations. It's like what I call shadow boxing. There are certain moves that you see boxers just go shadow box with themselves and they're bouncing around. I think linemen should have that same kind of bouncy in their feet because most guys are just big guys. You see the guys who struggle, the guys who stump their feet, who when they pass it, they go boom. They, they, can't, they, can't, they can't adjust to movement. You watch guys like Andrew Thomas who – he, he's now been trained to learn to react to movement. And he can move his body according to the moves he's been able to give it. And, and, and that starts with your feet. 
what's more difficult for an offensive lineman to deal with power or, or just, you know, quickness? I think every lineman would say the combination of speed to power, those kind of rushes and pass rush are the, are the, are the hardest rushes to, um, especially in today's game. Like I said earlier, when I played, I came to the league in 96, all the rushers, they were all big, you know, especially guys who played on the right side. They were all big monster guys. Like Strahan was trying to put you on your head. You know, Reggie White was putting you in your head. You know what I mean? And, and these guys were just powerful speed guys, but it was more of a, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to test your manhood and put you on the, you know, put you on your back. So it was a more of a big fight for that. It was, it was a big fight, just struggling, and it's one big wrestling match. Whereas the league got older, the guys got faster and faster and faster. So now these guys now have way so much speed than um, we saw. Like the average guy right now in the NFL now is a fast guy. Like the average defensive end just fast. In my days, early in the mid '90s. You may have a guy every week who's fast, but now they're all fast and they're all setting linemen up with speed. And as soon as the linemen start only just thinking about speed, 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 they didn't hit them with power. And then you start seeing linemen getting bull, bull rushed over and you know, they start getting one arm tossed in. So I think the hardest transition for linemen to learn is how to protect against speed to power moves. Offensive linemen also need to be aggressive, but they also need to be smart. And sometimes in the heat of action, the two don't marry up. I mean, is there a trick that you've come across in your career that you're teaching young offensive linemen to so that they don't draw those little yellow flags? Yes, it's called being control, control aggression. It's called, um, like, to me, alignment can never, I know it sounds corny when I say it, but alignment should never get mad. You should never get mad. I walk out of the locker room already pissed off. I'm in a bad move already. So, you should have to rob me up to get me going. Like I'm, I'm, I'm at practice. At practice, I'm in an irritating mood because coaches making us run down to the other end of the field. You know, we, we're off in the corner. You know, we're not getting the love that we're getting. As soon as I think about when a lineman gets mad, I think he lose all his his mental um, his mental stability work. So, um, so we always tell guys, don't ever get yourself to where you're you're getting mad. Like stay aggressive at all times. Like walk out of the locker room with an aggressive mindset. Hey. I'm going to knock guys back. I'm going to hold my guys up. I'm going to get movement, and I'm going to stay aggressive. But the moment you start to lose this, hey, I'm going I'm, I'm to get mad and get that guy back, then the flag comes out. You know what I mean? And um, and um, I just think, you know, I tell guys all the time, hey, man, like, hold on. If you, if you, if you have to hold on a play, hold on a play to protect your quarterback. If it's a running play, don't. If he beats you, let him beat you. Like, he beats you. Oh, well. But don't don't get a – 15-yard penalty, you know, when um, the guy, your guy made a tackle for a four-yard four yard game, and but you hold him, now we're going backwards. So my model was, if I if I had the hold, I'm going to hold on passing plays to protect my quarterback if I'm getting beat. But on a running play, don't, I hate that. I hate I hate watching the the left guard get a holding play on the play that's going to the right. You know what I mean? And if this guy would have got him, it would have been a three-yard three yard game. Like, Live, live, live this in another day. You know, you, you mentioned in your Instagram post when you were training Evan that you were teaching him different stances and it was a matter of him finding the most comfortable one for him. Uh, how, how does that, I, I guess it comes to repetition or, or does it depend on what the, the run blocking scheme is? Does it depend on what the pass blocking scheme is? I mean, how do you, 
you know, <clears throat> settle on a, a on a stance or, or technique that's going to work for you? One thing, everybody's their, their stance is unique to themselves. They, they have to figure out that stance. I think Evan and um, Bobby Johnson, his O-line coach, they're, they're going to figure out a good stance for him. I just think people, people underestimate going from left tackle to right tackle or going from right to left. Like, so when you're at left tackle for a long time, your dominant leg is your um, right inside leg. So that part of your brain is telling you all the time, push off my, my right leg, right leg, push right, right leg. So that, that leg becomes stronger. Like it's just a, a, a natural habitat. Like, you know, you, you're one side of the line, one side of your body gets stronger than the other because you're using it all the time. So, but so now, when you change over to your left, your right tackle, now I, I got to change legs up. Now my dominant leg, now is my left leg. And it feels it, it feels like writing, being a right-hand writer and putting the pen in your left hand right that way now. It's just, it's, just, it's just foreign. Your brain doesn't work that way. So if you don't train it, you start to get out. I think, I think last year, Evan was getting to like a bunch of weird stances, him trying to figure out how to play on that side of the ball. Like it's totally different. Like, and people... Like I say, people people don't understand how tough offensive linemen jobs are. Like here's a man who's 340 some pounds, and he's asked to stop probably some of the best athletes on the team. The guys, the guys who play defensive end are probably some of the best guys on the teams athletic wise. And so finding a comfortable stance um, when you're changing size from a guy who's six foot eight, 340, that, that's a huge big deal. So all I was doing was playing around with him. Um, He's going to eventually have to fix it himself, but I just give him some ideas that he can. I think he could, he found out that he could move better out of that stance. But um, like I was, I was telling Bobby, his O line coach, you know, you know we, we we can't change everything in three days. So all I, all I'm going to do is try to, try to be a tutor, try to help him um, to see things that he can try himself. And the good thing about Evan, man, like this kid works his tail off. I mean, he's still in New York right now training. Um, he, he goes to the facility every day and works out. He knows what the fans of New York and people are expecting him. He, like, he knows it. Like, he, he knows it. And that's why I, I love to do it. Man, I, I work with him forever if I could because the kid wants to get it, and he knows the importance of his job. He knows what he means to the organization. And he knows this season, like, like I told him, this season, you just, just want to keep gradually getting better. By mid-season, every offensive lineman struggles that rookie year, pretty much. Go to your second year, by halfway through the season, if you're, if you're getting correct training and coaching or whatever, development the light kicks on halfway through the season so the second half of your second season for the really good lineman going to be really good you start to see a really big improvement third year like the light comes on third year mm-hmm. i think you guys started this year with uh with andrew thomas mm-hmm. light came on third year boom he shot to the roof um first year he struggled second year andrew worked with um you know um coach bobby and um my my, my former coach paul alexander who he and i have, have a business together we train linemen together and you saw that work out. So we're, we're, we're expecting Evan to have the same kind of trajectory. You know, going to the second year, just keep improving. By the midway point, the light comes on. You figure everything out. You figure your body out. Then by year three, you have a dominant year. And um, yeah, use the high goals. You know, I, I also suspected, and I, I could be wrong here, but I know Evan had that knee injury. You couple that with the fact that coming from college, you know, the NFL season is longer than the college year. And, you know, they, mm-hmm. they say a lot of young players, a lot of rookies, they run out of steam or they start to kind of tail off, you know, and then you throw in that injury, the timing of it. 
And I suspect that all factored into what we were seeing some struggles with Evan, you know, midpoint to, you know, he got better, but you know, yeah. I, that's just my theory. I don't know if you agree or not. Uh, well, I saw this year. So this year uh, I'm going to have two first round, two first round tackles this year in Paris Johnson and Bradley Jones um, out of Ohio state, Paris and Bradley out of Georgia. And so I work with them and um, had two kids since high school. I've known both of them since high school. Um, but I also had a chance to work with a bunch of other players this year coming out for the draft. And you see the players who play at Ohio State, Georgia, the Alabamas, they're having 15-game seasons. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I told Paris and um, Rogers' agents, I said, look, man, and their parents said, look, this could be the longest season of his life because <laughs> he's coming from national championship game <laughs> to a week of rest, jump right into training for the combine and guys training for the senior bowl and all this crazy stuff. So then you go to the combine stuff for eight weeks. Then you can do, you got to do, you got to go train for your pro day, pro day, right after pro day, there's the draft, right after the draft, there's rookie mini camp, then OTAs and mini camps, then uh, probably a month off in June, back to training camp in July. And now you're playing a, a 20 game season, whatever, um, with preseason and, 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 um, regular season games. Now you're into January. That's, a, that's the longest season of some of these guys' lives. You know what I mean? And your rookie season now is going to be the longest season you ever had. So, of course, it's going to be some injuries, some fatigue, especially the guys who play at these, these big-time colleges because these colleges are, are working their tails of trying to win championships, and these coaches are grinding the hell out of these guys. They're grinding, 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 grinding. It's kind of the cost of going to one of these big schools. You, you leave with national championship, but, you know, you, but your body going to be beat up too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So going to the NFL your first year, people, fans, media – I'm not going to have the sympathy for you because they, they really don't know. You know, they, 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 they don't know. couple more for you, Willie. How much does an offensive tackle's stance or not, not stance technique have to change depending on the opponent he's facing, or is it pretty much, you know, rather than let the opponent dictate to you, you dictate to the opponent. I think, um, my, 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 um, my theory, you know, this is just me. I watch boxers, you know, I, I watch, you know, Muhammad, I, I'm a Muhammad Ali fan. I'm a, uh, uh, grew up watching Roy Jones. I love Mike Tyson. You watch Floyd Mayweather. Those guys, they understand their opponents, but they do what they do. You know, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather is going to be a, a defensive fighter. So I'll be defensive. So every, every fight, he's doing the same techniques over and over. But now he's trying to do things slightly different to catch his opponent slipping one or two times. Mike Tyson, same way. Young, young Mike Tyson was a big head-moving guy. He had really good footwork. Same with Ali. I believe the same thing with Lyman. I, I just think having more different – to me, you confuse – offensive alignment, confuse defensive alignment by what we do with our hands. And if you're doing the same hand stuff over and over again, I think guys catch on to it. If you, if you have different techniques, a different variety of hand techniques, it confuses alignment up. So um, – I think you do have to do I, – I, I do believe in you doing what you do very well and, and training it so well that, that, that you can't mess it up to, to the point to where when you face a high-level opponent, your techniques confuse them because I want to always keep my hands keep, – t- keep my defender guessing on what I'm doing with my hands. You know, the guys who are only two-hand punchers, you see throughout the NFL, I man, watch, watch the film. You see guys getting beat every week who only do two-hand punching. And then you got guys, the, the top-end the top guys, they change their hands up. 
and along with having really good feet and changing their hand t- techniques up, those guys are the guys that are winning um, every Sunday. And then final question for you, you know, you mentioned Evan's going to get better, which, you know, you would expect for any player, but where mm-hmm. do you think Evan can really take that next step, that next quantum leap in his development? I think just going a year or two on the right side is going to help him. I mean, think about it. The guy was drafted, you know, we thought he was going to be a left tackle, but, you know, you guys already got an all-pro left tackle there. So I think in his mind now, he's trying to get developed. He, he, he wants to be a pro bowl right tackle. Uh, that old myth of left versus right, that stuff is gone. I mean, these, these rushers, they come from everywhere. Like, you, you're seeing guards now get paid $100 million contracts. You know what I mean? Because every spot on the O-line is critical because these guys, they come from everywhere now. So I think him being year two, having a whole offseason at that position, offseason with his O-line coach, offseason with us training, offseason of him getting to his stands and perfecting and seeing, uh, watching himself on film. Like, like the, the guy's real hard on himself. Like, and uh, he grades himself harder than anybody else, which is, re- which is really a really good trait for linemen. He makes no excuses. He's trying to find out what works for him. And I, 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 I personally think that the Giants fans are going to be happy because he's a guy who's really putting in the work. Um, he's not traveling. He's not traveling, partying across the country. He's home working, getting himself ready to go play football. And that's a good thing, for, I think, for the Giants. And a very smart young man, too. I've spoken to him a few times. Absolutely. Very studious and very, absolutely. very, you know, smart. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. They very definitely, they, de- they got themselves a good one there. Yes. Willie, I appreciate you coming on. He's Willie Anderson, former NFL offensive lineman, offensive tackle. Man knows a thing or two about playing offensive line. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked On Giants podcast. And folks, you can check out uh, Willie's site. I'm going to link it in the show notes. So make sure you follow him, check him out. And, and we my- will see you tomorrow, Giant fans.